Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Make Sure Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So... Oh my god, I missed you guys so much. During my break, you guys have no idea how bored I have been just waiting for me to be able to come back. Like, I took this break in order to relax, but I realized that I have nothing to do in my life right now except for this podcast. So I just spent several, several long weeks just working on scripts, just waiting for the date when I could come back and now I'm here. Oh, it's it's great. <laughs> I would tell you what I've done in this time, but to be honest, I haven't really done too much. Um I I am currently trying to get a job so I can save for school again. And actually, believe it or not, I got this interview at a museum, which is great because it means they'll pay me to not shut up about historical <laughs> things. It's great. I'm waiting on a call for them from them. I really, really hope I get it. I'm so excited <laughs> of having the idea of being paid to talk about shit. Like that would be the best job for me. Anyway, um, let's actually get onto the topic. Enough about me. You guys don't want to hear about me. That's not what you're here for. Uh today, uh well actually the day this releases, it will be Indigenous People's Day. That's why I'm releasing this episode on a Monday rather than my regular Tuesday. After this episode, all the episodes will be released on Tuesdays. This is just like an anomaly. So on this Indigenous People's Day, we are talking about Lilo Kulani, the last queen of Hawaii. Now, um, I hadn't heard of, heard of her up until like, uh, I'd say probably like 2008. Yeah, I heard about her in about 2008 because uh, my parents went on a vacation to Hawaii and I wasn't allowed to go. <laughs> so while they were gone, I decided to like research a whole bunch about Hawaii because I wanted to know like the stuff they would have seen and about the state because I didn't know anything about Hawaii when I was a kid and I stumbled across uh, Lila Kulani's story and I was really interested and I thought what a great way to kick off my season three by uh, talking about her. Now I I just want to uh, preface that while I have practiced all these Hawaiian names multiple times before this episode I'm probably still gonna fuck them up so I am so so sorry if I fucked them up. But, uh, all right, let's get into it. Let's go. Okay, so Lilo Kulani was born on September 2nd, 1838, on the island of Oahu, in her grandfather's straw hut, to her parents, Analea and Caesar. Now, of course, her being born on September 2nd makes her a Virgo. We love Virgos, which means she is strong-willed and tactful with excellent organization skills. I'm a little jealous about that because I'm not very organized. Um, I totally think this fits her personality, like, really, really well. And I think you will see that, like, go into her personality as we get into her story and why she ended up being the last queen of Hawaii. 
Now, before we get into her parents' stories, we have to talk about her name because Hawaiian naming traditions are actually fairly interesting. Now, typically, noble children were named according uh, to an event linked to their birth. Now, at the time that uh, Lilo Kalani was born, the queen mother of Hawaii had like a, she had like an eye infection. So they used the words Lilu, which means smarting, Loluku, tearful, and Walani, a burning pain. And uh, for her middle name, they use Kamaaka Eha, sore eyes, and that's how they ended up constructing what they wanted to name her. Now, for simplicity's sake, we're going to call her Lily throughout this whole episode because I don't want to spend this entire time mispronouncing Lilo Kulani, like, the whole time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've already butchered it. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it right, but, yeah. All right, uh, so let's get into her parents. Um which is a bit of a complicated thing because she actually had two sets of parents her whole life. So she had her biological parents, of course, and then she had her adoptive parents. And I know, I know what you're thinking. Hey, what about her biological parents? Where'd they go? Did they like die or something? Well, uh, no, that's not exactly what happened. Uh, her biological parents were very much alive throughout most of her life, but in accordance with Hawaiian uh, tradition, immediately after she was born, Lily was Hanai adopted by Abner Paki and his wife, Laura Koanai. Koanaya, sorry. And this was pretty common with Hawaiian nobility. Uh, the kids would be sent out and adopted by, like, other members of nobility as a sign of, like, good faith and, like, trust between all the Hawaiian noble families. And, you know, like, it let people make good connections between everyone, so, like, everything stayed peaceful, and, you know, no one was gonna start a war or anything. All right, now I'm gonna talk about her biological parents, because they, of course, were her parents, but, you know, I'll sprinkle in a little bit about her adoptive parents as we go along. Now, let's start with her mom, Analea. She was a high chiefess and a very important person in the Hawaiian government. She served as an advisor to King Kamehameha III. Also, uh, not to mention, she was a pretty, pretty important landowner. Uh, but despite this, she was actually pretty, like, cash poor, despite owning tons of valuable land, which I found interesting that, like, she had all this land, but, like, in terms of actual moolah, she had none of it. <laughs> Now, meanwhile, on the other side of this, we have Lily's father. Uh, he was of much minor nobility in the royal family, but he was actually still a pretty good match for uh, Lily's mother either way. In fact, um, <laughs> there's a little bit of incest sprinkled in here. Uh, Lily's parents were half first cousins, which is... <laughs> but uh, actually, in Hawaiian culture, this was considered like a good thing because, you know, they had a close bond since they were so closely related. And it was actually pretty common in the Hawaiian royal family to practice incest with cousins, which I know was gross, but, uh, you know, they did it. Also, uh, side note, her parents uh, were like pretty well known for having a huge family, which was pretty unconventional since most of the nobility either only had one or two children or like no kids at all. So it really set them apart because they had like seven fucking kids that lived to adulthood which you know like seems like weird to us but it was like totally terrific for them that they could have seven kids and most of them living to adulthood that was great now anyway when lily was officially adopted she moved into her adopted parents house and she very very quickly stuck up a friendship with her with their biological daughter uh berenice uh, even though she was, like, seven years older than her, they got along, like, pretty well as children and growing up, and Lily considered her adoptive parents' house her real home, and she loved to spend all her time there in, like, her later life. It was actually a pretty beautiful house. I looked at a whole bunch of picture of, 
pictures of it. Um, it was built by her adoptive father and had this like big porch and it was on this nice piece of land, lots of room to play. I could like totally imagine being as in love with that place as she was. Okay, uh, let's talk about her education. So at about the age of four, she was sent to the Chief's Children's School, which would later be known as the Royal School. And she, along with her other classmates, who were also members of the royal family, were pro proclaimed fit for the throne by King Kamehameha III. Basically, this school trained future kings and queens. And in the event that one of these kids at this school ended up on the Hawaiian throne someday, they would be ready for that responsibility. That's what this school did. Now, uh, she had a huge group of kids to hang out with at this school, and considering she was closely related to most of them, it was probably just like going to a family reunion every day. Um, she had her two biological brothers at the school, so you know that must have been nice. At least she had her brothers there. Now, the children were taught in English by an American missionary named Amos Starcook and his wife, Juliet. Uh, they also taught them reading, spelling, penmanship, arithmetic, geometry, algebra, physics, geography, history, bookkeeping, music, and English composition, which all in all is a pretty fucking well-rounded education for anyone, especially for a girl in like the 1800s. Like, pff, nice. Uh, but it was not all Hawaiian sunshine at this school wasn't really great. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Cook were fairly abusive for the most part, and in Lily's memoirs, which I, I didn't get to read, but I got bits and pieces uh, from it, she talks about how she and the other children were often sent to bed hungry, and in my opinion, this seems, like, super harsh, especially for, like, noble kids to be treated so badly. Like, you'd think the fact that they were noble would, like, get them, like, <laughs> nicer people teaching them. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, them getting sent to bed hungry wasn't even the worst thing that happened at the school. There was a big measles uh, breakout uh, while Lily was attending um, the school. And, like, obviously these days measles isn't that big of a deal because we have a vaccine for it. But back then, measles was way more severe and the epidemic ended up killing a couple of her classmates and her, like, younger biological sister, which, oh god, I'm sure that must have been absolutely fucking devastating for her to lose one of her sisters when she was, like, she would have been about 10 at this time, and I think her sister was, like, six-ish when she died, too, so, ugh, that sucks. Um, luckily, two years after this epidemic, the school was shut down in uh, 1850 for unspecified circumstances, but it was probably all the abuse that the children were facing. Um, and Lily and her classmates were moved to a different school, which was ironically also called the Royal School, uh, where different teachers taught them. And overall, she had a way better experience at the second Royal School. So, like, yay for her. Um, she graduated from here in 1853. And believe it or not, she actually finished third in her class behind uh, Princess Victoria of Hawaii and uh, Nancy Sumner, who I believe were actually two of her best friends that she made at the school. Now, this was not the end of her education. Much later, she would informally attend the Oahu College to, like, basically round herself out with some, like, extra education, which I think is very responsible and practical of her. Okay, before we get into the rest of her story, let's just talk a bit about, you know, what she looked like. Now, she's never specifically said to be very pretty. Uh, like, she wasn't really... A well-known beauty in her life, but I have been looking at pictures of her for, like, weeks at this point, and I, I have to disagree. I think in every portrait I've ever seen, she looks very dignified. She has this, like, beautiful curly black hair, brown skin, and personally, I think her eyes look, like, really, really intelligent. Like, she she just looks smart. 
Also, I'm like super obsessed with her nose because even though obviously her nose doesn't adhere to Western beauty standards because she is, of course, Native Hawaiian, I think it like really rounds out her face and makes her look very uh, regal. I'm probably just saying that because I hate my nose. I have a very, very straight nose and it's very thin, which I hate. And I've always thought like flat bridge noses are a lot prettier. Obviously, they wouldn't, it wouldn't look very good on me because I'm white, but it looks very good on her. I, I've just kind of been obsessed with her nose for like the last couple of days. Anyway, okay, so after finishing her studies, uh, what is a young noble woman like Lily to do? Well, of course, join, join the royal court of Hawaii, and let, I just gotta say, she was a total hit at court. Pretty much everyone liked her, not to mention since her mom was a royal advisor to the king, she got significantly more bonding time with her mom being at court, which, you know, it must have been nice for them to catch up after the last few years of, like, not seeing each other very much. Now, speaking of family, there was a little bit of family drama going on with Lily's adopted family because her adopted sister, Bernice, had married this dude named Charles Bishop, who was a white American businessman, and this marriage, oh my god, it did not go down well in the family. Bernice's parents were, like, distraught that she had married without permission, but luckily... Um, they did all reconcile before, uh, Berenice's father died, but it was, like, definitely a tense two years for Lily when half of her family, like, wasn't talking to one another. Now, once her adopted father and mother died, she legally came under, uh, Berenice and her husband's guardianship, even though, uh, she was, like, a full 20-year-old woman by this time. But adulthood did mean one thing for Lily, and that was marriage. Now, back when she was 15, a man named uh, Gorham Gilman had tried to court her rather unsuccessfully, I might add. Um, after him, she was briefly engaged to William Luna Lilo, who was of royal Hawaiian blood. And all in all, he actually could have been a pretty good match for Lily. He was handsome. They were about the same age. He was of royal Hawaiian blood. They also shared a lot of interests like music writing, not to mention they had known one another as children. So, you know, they had plenty of history. It could have been a good marriage. Still, she ended up breaking off the engagement because of the pressure from uh, King Kamehameha IV. Oh, right. I, you know, I actually forgot to mention Kamehameha III. Uh, he died at, at this point. He's dead. Uh, and now there's a new one. Anyway. <laughs> actually, funny funny enough, speaking of the king, Lily's brother was actually briefly engaged to the king's sister at one time. At the same time, she was engaged to uh, William but that also never went through. I, I think it's kind of interesting that her brother ended up uh, engaged to a princess at the same time that she was engaged to uh, basically a prince. It's kind of coincident. Coincidentally? Uh, no, that's not a word. Um, <laughs> other contributing factors to Lily abandoning this engagement were that her adopted sister like really disapproved of the guy. So, it, you know, it just never ended up going through. Now, after this, there were some whispers about Lily possibly marrying King Kamehameha IV. Uh, this came about when the king declared he wished to marry this girl named Emma Rook, who was a fellow classmate from the royal school, but she wasn't exactly a popular choice to marry the king. And people were like, oh my god, you know, Lily would be such a better choice for, like, the king. And, like, they kept on, like, saying that in public, which, like, really fucking offended Emma. <laughs> But it didn't end up changing King Kamehameha's mind, and he still ended up marrying Emma Rook anyway. Uh, luckily, Emma didn't take that out on Lily, because, like, obviously it wasn't her fault. People were just being fucking petty, because I believe Emma was mixed. She was mixed race. She was half white, half Hawaiian. So, like, people were, like, a little biased of her. Luckily, Lily was considered a close personal friend of the queen. 
uh, after that whole situation. Now, it seemed at this point that Lily might never find a husband until a certain dude named John Diminis walked on the scene. Now, he was an American-born man who worked on Prince Lot's staff. This is another Hawaiian royal. Um, And he was also a secretary to the king. So he was doing pretty well for himself. So let's talk a bit about John. Now, he was born in 1832, so it's only a six-year age gap, which isn't too bad in terms of how age gaps can go. Um, His father, also named John, (laughs) was a sea captain and decided to move his family in 1837 to Hawaii. Uh, From there, they kind of worked their way up in Hawaiian society until they were granted some land from the crown. And John attended school right next to where Lily attended school. And, you know, they actually knew each other a bit. Not very well, though, when they were children. Uh, Since the school he attended uh, backed, like, right up onto the royal school's schoolyard, he was... He, he could see all the royal kids playing, and he was, like, actually, like, really curious about what was, you know, going on over there, you know, as any kid would be if you saw another school across from your school. And uh, during, like, recess, he'd watch the princes and princesses play, and obviously, like, the princes and princesses were like, uh, hey, who's the weird kid in the bushes? <laughs> um, but uh, he ended up becoming good friends with, like, most of them, which ended up helping his social status a lot later in life because, you know, they were all princes and princesses. Um, I actually read this nice story about John and Lily when uh, John was courting her. Uh, he ended up walking her home one day, which, you know, sounds pretty normal until you hear that he had broken his leg earlier in the day when he fell off a horse. And Mans still walked her home despite having a broken leg. For the win, John, you go get her. Good for you, honey. <laughs> Now, it didn't take long for them to get engaged, and their wedding date was set for Lily's 24th birthday, which was about two years away from the point that they got engaged. And when the day did finally come, uh, unfortunately, it did have to be postponed two weeks. Uh, The king and queen's son, Prince Albert, had died, like, really suddenly. So out of respect to them, their wedding was moved. But eventually, on September 16th, um, they got married. Uh, they kind of had, like, a cute little backyard, like, Anglican-style wedding at Lily's adopted sister's house, and the whole family, including the royal family, showed up for the wedding, which is, like, pretty fucking impressive. Uh, the whole wedding was a real hoot, um, and after that, they decided to settle down at John's parents' house, and this is the point where the magic of their relationship comes to a complete and grinding fucking halt, for the most part. And this was for two reasons. The first was that they figured out pretty early on that they weren't going to be able to have children, which was really, really upsetting to their relationship because Lily wanted children and to become a mother. And the fact that she wasn't able to do that was, like, pretty crappy for their relationship. And the worst part of it was that later on in their marriage, John ended up cheating on her and got one of her servants pregnant, which meant the fertility problem was probably on her end, which was probably super embarrassing for her. Uh, She actually considered uh, claiming the kid as her own to save herself and her husband from embarrassment, but uh, she ended up deciding against it because if she was ever to, like, come to the throne someday and the kid... Everyone thought the kid was hers, and he succeeded her. That would literally be a succession crisis if anyone had found out that the kid wasn't hers. So instead, when the baby boy was born, she officially adopted him and financially supported him her whole life. And I think that's, you know, very responsible and mature of her to do that for him, not to mention... um, that she actually did adopt two other kids so luckily she did get to become a mom which is great but just obviously not in the way that she probably thought she would which you know sucks but at least she got some form of motherhood 
Now, I bet you're wondering, what was the second reason Lily and John's marriage hit a brick wall? Well, Annie went up for a nasty mother-in-law because Lily was not prepared for how much her mother-in-law would end up treating her. John's mom was so racist to Lily. She made it abundantly fucking clear that she did not approve of this marriage because John was white and Lily was Native Hawaiian. John's mother spent more than half of their marriage bullying the shit out of Lily, and John just kind of, like, ignored it for, like, the most part. I'm not sure if he, like, knew that his mother was bullying his wife, or because, like, Lily never told him or something, or he knew and, you know, just made excuses for his mom, like, oh, don't take it personally, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it, it really sucks. Even though they did love each other for the most part, their marriage was... It was not a happy one, which sucked because it, it really, really should have been a good match for them. And it, it, it sucks that it really didn't work out for them that way. Okay, now that I've all properly depressed you guys with uh, Lily's failed marriage and fertility issues, let's talk about something a little more positive, like, say, some of her charity work. Because I gotta say, it's the epitome of women supporting women. We love that. Now, during the reign of Kamehameha IV, uh, she and his wife, Queen Emma, worked together to raise funds to build the Queen's Hospital, which is actually a still-functioning hospital in Hawaii and is actually one of the largest employers of medical staff in Hawaii to this day, which is pretty fucking cool. Uh, later on with uh, the King's uh, sister, Princess Victoria, she and her helped found the Kamehameha Society, which initially focused on caring for the elderly and sick, but these days, the Society's goal is to preserve Hawaiian culture for future generations. And I actually believe it's one of the oldest active societies in Hawaii today, which is pretty awesome. Uh, she also did some other cool things other than charity. Uh, when Kamehameha the fourth died and was replaced by, I believe, his brother Kamehameha the fifth, he asked Lily to compose a new national anthem in, like, commemoration of his coronation. And now I mentioned earlier one of her passions was music composition, which she put to good use here. She wrote the king a new national anthem, and I've actually listened to a ton of her music, including the national anthem, while researching her, and oh my god, she was a fucking genuinely talented music writer. Like, hey, if she had not eventually become a queen, maybe she would have been a famous music composer. Like, who knows? Like, she was genuinely talented. Like, I encourage you guys to all go listen to some of her music on YouTube. And uh, other than being a fantastic fucking music composer, she was also a fantastic fucking host. In fact, when Queen Victoria of Great Britain's son, Prince Alfred, showed up for a visit, she personally hosted him with a luau, which he said was the best part of his trip. So, Lily for the win. Woo! Now, I'm sure that Lily was, like, okay at this point with, like, being royal adjacent in her life, but there were a couple of events that pushed her closer to the throne. Probably closer than she ever thought she would get. Now, the first thing that happened was King Kamehameha V died because, you know, Hawaiian kings apparently drop like flies around here. And his death was a serious issue because he was the last of the Kamehameha line and he had no children. So it was decided that the Hawaiian legislator under the recently enacted constitution would pick the next monarch and that it would be voted on by in a pool of Hawaiian nobility. And after a referendum and a unanimous vote in the legislature, they ended up landing on Prince Lot, who, if you remember, was the dude who Lily was engaged to, but broke it off 
with and his his nickname was Lot. I didn't mention that. His name was William, but they called him Lot. Anyway, um he was the kingdom's first ever elected monarch and he was insanely popular not only because he actually demanded that the people should be allowed to vote for him, which they did the referendum thing, but it didn't actually make an impact. He only won because the legislator wanted him to. Um anyway, the minute he was put on the throne, he was he was just Everyone was excited about him because he had been elected. Not to mention he was charismatic and handsome, so, you know, that helped him a lot. Uh, But unfortunately, this didn't last for very long since, like, barely a year into his time as king. He ended up dying from tuberculosis, which, you know, was kind of expected. He didn't really take much care of himself. I'm pretty sure he was an alcoholic. Um, And the worst part about this was he hadn't gotten married yet, (laughs) so the government was back to square one. And they decided to do vote number two. Now, there were two obvious frontrunners, like, right away during the second vote. The first being the now dowager Queen Emma, who, if you remember, was the widow of King Kamehameha IV. Uh, She had a decent claim to the throne by blood herself, so she was a pretty obvious choice. And then the second person was Lily's biological brother, who I'm going to refer to by his baptized name, which is David, for simplicity, because I can't pronounce his name for the fucking life of me. Um, This second vote, it was a pretty tight race, but in the end, Lily's brother won the vote by, like, a fucking landslide, and Queen Emma's supporters, they were pissed. There was a mass riot of her supporters after the vote, but luckily it was quelled, and David became the new king of Hawaii under the name, uh, Kalakua. Yeah, sure, I think. Um, and because he was now king, it meant massive upgrades for the whole family, since they were now a part of the Hawaiian royal family. Lily now had the title of Princess of Hawaii, with, and while she was originally not the heir to the th- throne, more things ended up pushing her closer. Her other brother, William, ended up dying with no children, and since her current brother, the king, and his wife had no children, it meant that Lily was now the heir apparent to the Hawaiian throne in her mid-40s, which must have been pretty jarring after everything that had happened to, you know, get her here. Now, right from the start, Lily took her responsibility as a future queen very, very seriously, and she was as diligent in being a good host and doing her charity work as she had been before she was a princess. She was basically her brother's, like, co-ruler since he was always including her in matters of the kingdom, he charged her with doing some seriously important things for him. For example, when he left on his world tour in 1881 to help save the Hawaiian economy, and also this was the time period where uh, the United States ended up getting closer to Hawaii thanks to this, like, big tour, um, he left Lily as regent, and she ended up having to deal with, like, this awful smallpox outbreak on the island, and thanks to her quick thinking and quarantining measures, she managed to keep the outbreak confined to Oahu with a little over 200 people dying from the outbreak. Now, I know that doesn't sound impressive, but if she hadn't done anything, thousands of people probably would have been killed by the outbreak. Still, she managed to keep it contained on one island with only two cases appearing on the island of Kauai. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you handle a fucking pandemic. Go, Lily. (laughs) Now, by the way, if you thought her charity work was impressive before, fasten your fucking seatbelts, guys. It gets fucking better. Lily was a massive advocate for women's equality. She used her new position to her advantage to advance Hawaiian women's access to opportunities. She founded a bank for women in Honolulu named Lilakulani Savings Bank and helped Isabella Chamberlain Lyman establish a money lending service for Hawaiian women, which is fucking cool. In the same year, she also founded the Lilakulani Educational Society, which, and I quote, according to the description, was an organization to interest the Hawaiian ladies in the proper training of young girls of their own race whose parents would be unable to give them advantages by which they would be prepared 
for the duties of life. <laughs> it's a good description. The organization supported the tuition of Hawaiian girls at the Ka- Kawaiahao Seminary for Girls, where her Hanai daughter, Lydia Alohu, attended, and uh, the Kamahamaya schools, which her adopted sister, Bernice, founded and ran herself. Now, Lily was totally fucking rocking it during her brother's reign. She was doing all this fantastic stuff, and bitch was not even in charge yet, so go her. Everything she did for charity and PR for the royal family was great and all, but I would say her probably shining moment as her brother's heir was when she attended the Golden Jubilee of Queen Victoria. Now, let's set the scene. In 1887, Queen Victoria was celebrating a milestone 50 years on the British throne, and, you know, it was a pretty big fucking deal. And as monarchs don't want to do, she was throwing a huge party to celebrate, and basically all world leaders were invited to attend, including the Hawaiian royal family, because they and the British royal family, they were were buddies. So, Lily's brother set up a delegation of people to go in his place. He chose Lily, Lily's husband, and his own wife and a few others to officially represent the Hawaiian royal family at this event. Uh, BTW, I'm not sure why David couldn't go himself. Maybe he thought it wasn't a good idea based on Hawaii's political situation at the time. And, you know, I'll expand on why he might not have been able to go in a bit. But first, let's talk about Lily's time at the Jubilee. Now, uh, Lily and her passe left Hawaii and sailed to San Francisco, where they took a train to Washington, D.C. In Washington, they got to meet President Grover Cleveland, and after that, they boarded a ship to the United Kingdom. Lily got to have an audience with Queen Victoria, and according to what I read, it went super well. Victoria loved the Hawaiian royal family, and she even effectually recalled the time Lily's brother David had visited the country on his world tour a few years back. So it was safe to say Hawaii was in Britain's good graces, which was, you know, a good thing. Lily attended a huge ceremony with tons of other foreign delegates at Westminster Abbey, and of course, the British royal family. Lily was absolutely inspired by attending the jubilee she wrote a song about it called the queen's jubilee though i don't think the song ever got back to victoria which sucks because she probably would have loved to hear it um after the jubilee uh the whole hawaiian posse was supposed to take like this like grand tour of europe until they got some pretty shitty news from back home now while they had been gone the king had been uh basically like taken as a hostage and threatened by a group called the hawaiian league uh made up by mostly of white sugar plantation owners who at the time had been causing trouble by forcing Lily's brother to do things in their favor. And they are probably the reason he couldn't go to the Jubilee because he was probably worried about an overthrow while he was gone. And while the posse was in Britain, the League had done something absolutely drastic in order to take control of the government. They made the king sign a new constitution at gunpoint, which severely limited his political power, which was like a huge fucking deal. Not to mention there was like piles and piles of racist policies in this new constitution that limited the rights of Native Hawaiians. This constitution was called the Bayonet Constitution for obvious reasons since, you know, the king had been threatened at gunpoint with a bayonet and death if he hadn't signed it. Now, David gets a lot of fucking flack for signing it, but I can see how he obviously had little choice in the matter, but it sucks that the Hawaiian people lost so many of their rights in the process of him signing this, and, like, a lot of people blame him for it when it wasn't really his fault. Now, when Lily and the whole posse heard about this, they totally canceled the trip and immediately made their way back home, but there was not much they could really do about it. Not that others didn't try over the next few years to reverse the bayonet constitution, because they totally did, but it never ended up working out. Several people of Native Hawaiian ancestry tried to overthrow the bayonet constitution, but unfortunately this marked pretty much the beginning of the end of Hawaii's sovereignty. 
In late 1890, the king left on a trip to California, and of course, as he usually did, he left Lily in charge of the government. Now, this trip was, like, kind of weird because he hadn't given an official reason as to why he was going to California. Some of his people were saying that, oh, you know, it's just a vacation for his health. Meanwhile, Hawaiian newspapers were wondering if he was going to go to Washington, D.C. after California and talk trade with the president or something like that. But no one's really exactly sure why he went on this vacation. While he was in California, he did some tours, and until one until one day while he was touring Santa Barbara, he had this gigantic stroke, and he had to be rushed back to a hotel in San Francisco to get himself treated. But unfortunately, while he was at this hotel, he fell into a coma that he never woke up from, and he died in San Francisco on the 20th of January, 1891. After he died, no one in his family got the news of his death until the ship rolled into Hawaii nine days later with his body, and suddenly Lily was queen of Hawaii at the age of 53. Now, the first thing Lily did when she became queen was she took the oath to uphold the constitution of Hawaii, and she was officially crowned Hawaii's first and only queen. Her brother's funeral pretty much overshadowed the first few months of her reign, but after the required mourning period, Lily got down to business, trying to mop up the mess Hawaii was in at the time. One of her main goals was to reestablish power and sovereignty in the monarchy that her brother had had to give up under the Bayonet Constitution. First of all, she successfully fought for the resignation of her brother's former staff. When they initially refused to resign, she took it to the Hawaiian Supreme Court, and guess what? They fucking ruled in her favor, as they should. Uh, she also restored her supporters to positions that they had lost due to the racist policies of the bayonet constitution. Lily also made sure that the monarchy was going to have a future someday, so she named her niece, uh, who was 16 at the time, as the next heir to the throne. After the troubles in the government, Lily did her official visits to all the Hawaiian islands, as was customary, where she was greeted with tons of cheers because they fucking loved her. Um, still, her time as queen was not all sunshine and rainbows. About seven months into being queen, her husband John ended up passing away. And she was absolutely devastated when she lost him. I mean, sure, they hadn't been, had the best marriage in the world, but I do think they were absolutely 100% in love, despite the cheating and the racism from her mother-in-law I, I genuinely think they were in love and i actually want to read to you guys what lily said in her diary after he died because it's, it's pretty sad his death occurred at a time when his long experience in public life his amiable qualities and his universal popularity would have made him an advisor to me for whom no substitute could possibly be found i've often said that it pleased the almighty ruler of nations to take him away from me at precisely the time when i felt that i most needed his counsel and companionship oh that's so sad <laughs> Now, despite her husband's passing, Lily was, you know, a fight, lean, mean fighting machine, and it did not take her out of commission for long. She got right back on, on track, and over the next few years, she started tackling the project that ended up being her downfall, which was the rewriting of the Constitution. Now, this had been her goal even before she was queen, but now she had the means to do it. But the white people who wrote the Bayonet Constitution were not happy that she wanted to rewrite it, and they blocked pretty much every attempt she made to reform it. All she wanted to do was restore the monarchy's political powers and give voting rights back to Native Hawaiians and Asians. So the primarily white government decided to start planning a coup d'etat to overthrow her barely three years into her reign, because of course. Now, the group of conspirators, conspirators were mainly American businessmen and white Hawaiian citizens, but I'm going to focus on one in particular, and that is a Mr. Sanford Dole. Now, you may recognize his last name because his cousin was the founder of what would eventually become the Dole Food Company, who are very famous for their pineapples, which, uh, you know, despite being closely linked to Hawaii, uh, pineapples aren't native to Hawaii at all, which is interesting. 
funny enough, there is a bit of uh, dull pineapple in my fridge right now, which, you know, I'm thinking of throwing out. Because when I say fuck Stanford Dole, I mean fuck Stanford Dole. Now, American troops ended up taking over government buildings without firing a shot because Lily was trying to make sure there was no violence between her and these conspirators. She was uh, eventually overthrown on January 17, 1893, after only being queen for, like, three years-ish. And fucking Sanford Dole was installed as governor, and he would later become the first president of Hawaii, where he would do such things things as uh, not put tariffs on his cousin's pineapple company, which made the Dole Food Company super rich and is probably why Dole is so successful now. Fuck Dole. Don't eat their pineapples or any of their products because colonialism. Also, don't visit the Dole place in Hawaii. It's stupid. Anyway, after the overthrow, Lily handed her throne over to the mercy of the United States rather than Sanford Dole in hopes that her relationship with President Grover Cleveland would be enough to save her throne. Now, Grover did come in clutch because he launched an investigation into the overthrow, which found that not only was it mean, but it was super illegal. He said that he would give her her throne back if she promised to pardon everyone involved in the coup, but Lily responded to that request with a third with a totally firm, absolutely the fuck not. <laughs> she really, really wanted blood for what happened, and she demanded that they be executed for treason, which Grover Cleveland didn't like, and basically ruined her chances of getting the help that she needed. And while she did eventually change her mind on the subject, it was far, far too late. On July 4th, 1894, fucking Dole and his bros established the Republic of Hawaii. Boo! Anyway, a few months later, there was another uh, coup to overthrow the Republican government, which you know, failed super hard, and Lily herself was arrested because some firearms were found in her home. But it's not clear she actually had any involvement, because at her trial, she claimed she was ignorant of what the conspirators, conspirators were doing. After this, she was imprisoned, and she had to officially abdicate. After the abdication, Lily spent nearly a year locked up in her palace. I mean, sure, she was pretty comfortable, but she was a complete and total prisoner while she was there. While in prison, she continued her musical hobbies, and she wrote the song, Ke Aloha O Kahaku. And, you know, I actually listened to it, and like I said, a lot of her other music while preparing for this episode. However, this song is so especially sad for me. That, you know, it just really hurts to listen to it and imagine how she was feeling while writing it and considering all that she had lost at this point. It's just so, so sad. I encourage you guys to go and listen to it. On October 13th, 1896, which is my birthday, obviously not the 1896 part, uh, the Republic of Hawaii gave her a full pardon, and the first thing she did was travel, because, you know, she'd been stuck in a palace for a year. Uh, she spent some time in Massachusetts with her husband's cousins, who happened to be own a publishing house, and thanks to their support, she was able to write her memoirs. The rest of her life was split between Hawaii and Washington, D.C., as she spent years repairing her relationship with the United States after her falling out with Grover Cleveland. Uh, still, the United States continued to stab her in the back when in 1898, the Republic of Hawaii was annexed by the United States and became a territory similar to how Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. Eventually, she was given a pension from the United States government, and she lived the rest of her life in her home until on November 11th, 
1917. She died at the age of 79. She was buried in her family crypt. And it actually, believe it or not, there used to be actual footage of her funeral, but a fire in 1921 destroyed all the tapes. So unfortunately, they no longer exist, which sucks because I'd love to see the footage of her funeral. It's probably really cool. Okay, let's get into legacy. Now, Lily's legacy is one of incredible devotion to her people. Even though she was not queen for very long, like barely three years, many of the things she did were in service to the people of Hawaii. These days, she is remembered with tons of admiration by the native peoples of Hawaii. However, white Hawaiians and Americans in general are touchy on the subject of Lily and the general legality of how Hawaii came into American hands. So, you know, I won't touch on that, but uh, it's not great, as you've seen. Um, still, even today, the people of Hawaii are trying their best to resist colonization and gain right ba- rights back for their people because Native Hawaiians are not treated well in Hawaii. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure to learn about her, and I hope one day I get the chance to visit Hawaii and learn even more about this amazing woman and, you know, just experience Hawaiian culture because it's it's amazing. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and uh, happy National indigenous people's day have a nice day guys bye hey guys thanks for listening if you have any suggestions for topics you can just dm me on twitter at long may she rain two the n at the end of rain is replaced with a two instead instead i'm also available on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, anchor and like a whole bunch of other stuff uh don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms it really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience so i would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.